Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we discuss faith journeys, fellowship, and stories from across the Diocese of Sheffield. Each week, we will feature guests from a broad range of backgrounds and traditions within the Church of England. Our mission is to delve deeper into matters of faith and to ask each guest what has drawn them to Christianity. I'm Ben Fern, and I'm here with my colleague and co-host, Paul Sheridan. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well. How are you? Good, thanks. A little nervous. Well, I think you should be nervous because actually in the room is your boss and probably your direct boss. Is that right? Indeed, Line manager. The best boss you could possibly answer. Yeah, that's not what you said before she came in, actually, to be fair. But oh. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, not my boss. Well, obviously, she is my boss. At some point, there is a committee that would fire me at the drop of a hat at the moment. But she's not. I don't you know, I don't feel like she. it's the, the stare is going to come out for me. But you just need to be a little bit careful when you go in there. Yeah, my direct boss. And she interviewed me, of course, for this job as well. So oh, I've, got to be, I've got to tread very carefully in this. Episode. We might dive into that. Actually. That's where I practice the stare. Yeah, that could be an interesting moment, actually, to discuss your interview. Oh, that's I've... going to be really scary. <laughs> Regular listeners, regular listeners would like to know about that, I think, probably, and what you said about yourself, your past and stuff like that. We might, we might be able to drop a little bit out there for that. Could do a separate podcast on Ben's interview when you're on holiday. Maybe that would just be a private, a, subscri- a subscription-only podcast. Because yeah. we are going to go for an extra subscription level at some point, aren't we? When we we're... start recording our adverts ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the really shoehorned one with, like, um, you know, holidays are very nice, aren't they, Paul? That's right, Ben. <laughs> Except if there's an air traffic control strike. Exactly. So we ought to introduce your boss. In your words, not mine, I think. Okay, then. Let me just find uh, Let me just find the bio and we'll go for it and see where what's going to be said. So today's guest, Ben, is Lindsay Jane Buxton, who is Ben's boss. Started as the communications manager, manager for the Diocese of Sheffield in December 20, 2013. She's known to the world as LJ. And her role evolved in 2021 to include deputy duties for the chief executive and the diocesan secretary. And she acted up into the diocesan secretary role during her recent maternity leave. Prior to the diocese, LJ has worked for the environmental regeneration charity Groundwork Creswell, snappy title, and funding database Grant Finder. She's been a Christian all her life, attending Clown Methodist Church. She loves lots of sports and says it was inevitable she ended up doing triathlon. LJ, welcome to the Words of Grace podcast. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much, Ben. And I have to say, Ben's interview doesn't come across entirely different to every podcast he does. So I think... Um, oh, it chirpy. Came, yeah, chirpy, very Relax. natural. Mm-hmm. Managed to talk about films, so I think that was from uh, mine and Jason's probing a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, definitely a natural attitude. Yeah, he's got that sort of journalistic profile about him. Yeah, very much so, very much so. I accidentally said once, I think, a voice for radio. I didn't not, mean that as an insult, not, not a face for radio. It's meant as a compliment. <laughs> not a... <laughs> that was one of the most fun interviews in terms of a relaxed environment, though. It was your second interview, wasn't it? So the first one, sadly, I couldn't attend. My It was my uh, dear grandma's funeral at the time. And uh, I remember my colleagues who, who did interview you recorded it on Zoom so I could watch it back. And it was the weirdest experience watching back an interview on Zoom because I think there was one point I remember where um, at the end they said to Ben, "What? Uh, what have you got any questions? So Ben said, yeah, what's your favourite hymn? And I thought, what an odd question at an interview, but it was just lovely. And I was watching this back, of course, a t- day or two later. And they went round the room and everybody said whatever it was. And then I was like, oh, what about me? And I thought, oh, no, it's not live. I can't answer. It was really, really strange. So, yeah, so the second interview was when I got to make, meet you properly, so... 
That's still his question he asks now on the podcast, so he's not really moved on. <laughs> New questions, please. Consistent, yeah. no? Consistent, yeah. yeah. Right, so the first question for you is, when did it move from Lindsay Jane to LJ? I wanted to ask you first for a little while. What point was it? Was it young? Was it something that you decided? Yeah, bit, bit of both. So it, it, my name is Lindsay Jane. It's hyphenated. And the Lindsay, I think my parents picked um, because they liked the name Lindsay of the early 80s. So I was born in 81. So I'm sure it was a popular name then. But Jane was the name of my grandma, my, um, so my father's mum who I never actually met. She um, had, uh, I believe, Alzheimer's. She died when I was just a few months old. So the, the Jane came in connection to that and they hyphenated it. So certainly I was Lindsay Jane all of my uh, childhood, but my dad very quickly shortened it to LJ. And I've always preferred that because I think at school I got called Lindsay a little bit, but it just never felt right. Felt like I, I am a Lindsay Jane or an LJ. My grandma on my mum's side, she always called me Lindsay Jane in full. But everybody else just really called me LJ. And then I think when I started in, after university, I started in a workplace and somebody said to me, what do you want to be called? And I said, Lindsay Jane or LJ, nothing else. And I just became LJ. So that's that. Does anyone still call you Lindsay Jane? Do you know, I don't know if they do. My mum might occasionally. But no, I don't think they do. That really. sort of mum telling you off. Yeah, 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 maybe. But I'd no, not very often. Was it something like in exams at school when you had to write your full name, would you put LJ or would you spell out the whole Lindsay Jane? I'd always spell it out then, yeah. I think maybe, you know, when you scratch your name on pencil tins, my friends were like called Rach or Sarah, so that was easier for them and, and writing out Lindsay Jane scratched on your pencil tin, you know, Lindsay Jane loves whoever when you're 12 and writing that on was awkward, so that helped by being LJ. Oh, my dad actually calls me LJB. He puts my full, my full, full Insistent, yeah. yeah. So I come from South Wales and they have a, a tendency in South Wales to shorten names. So that's why me and my brother are called Mark and Paul, because my mum decided this one syllable can't be any shorter than that. But my dad always shortened everybody's name. Couldn't do it with me and my brother. But, you know, if it, even if we had a cousin called Mary, and he'd call her Mare, they just shortened every <laughs> single name. So you would have been Lynn. Wouldn't even been Lynn's. You'd have been Lynn. Yeah. And that yeah. just everything would have been shortened. So LJ would have seated him down. <laughs> I think it helped me get the job actually because at the job interview I was interviewed by uh, Bishop Stephen Croft so I've been here 10 years this year which is incredible really and I was interviewed and he was a big West Wing fan so I think he likened me to CJ yeah yeah well, that and I, to I told an excellent Methodist joke as well I think that was it two things got the job don't know if my yeah, answers were any you good fitted with like what, yeah. communications manager yeah. CJ LJ yeah one of my favourite characters from West Wing anyway absolutely so spot yeah. on people yeah. are going to want to know what that joke is though no, no, it's really boring, Joe. Okay, what was it? Um, uh, how many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? Change, change. We don't like change. <laughs> and we're both part of the Methodist Mafia. We are, yes. Ben and I are Methodist Mafia, for sure. You mentioned West Wing there as well. I remember you mentioned that to Archbishop Justin when he came to the diocese for a visit. I did. I, did I tell him that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably did. I can't remember that very well, but yes. I think that's only the second time I've met Archbishop Justin, so... I think the first time I'd uh, dropped a sandwich down myself while he was being introduced to me, so. I remember he kind of snuck up on us. It was at Bowlby, wasn't it? And it was, we for the triennium funding announcement. Yeah, we were expecting them from one entrance, and he, we saw them literally look around. It's like, oh, hello. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you were really confident. You straight away, like, oh, you're a fellow West Wing fan, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you've got to mix it up, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned it's going to be 10th anniversary later this year um, at the diocese. 
a generic question, but has that sort of flown by or does it feel like it's been a long time? Oh, do you know, both. Um, it's bizarre, really. Some, sometimes I think I still feel fairly new, but sometimes it feels ages. I mean, I have to say, this is, it's been the best 10 years of my life being here, um, both personally and professionally. It's been a fantastic place to work. Um, met some wonderful people, had some real highlights, some low lights too. Um, yeah, but I had, yeah, both flown and, and not dragged, that doesn't seem quite the right word, but also feels like a lifetime. And I think of the changes in the 10 years that I've experienced um, centrally in the central team and just seeing the diocese transform and in people in parishes and clergy. Yeah, it's amazing, really. Um, yeah, so it's December, 10-year anniversary in December. We'll have to make sure we mark that, definitely. Definitely, definitely mark that. Yeah, bunting the whole lot. Yeah. yeah. So in that time, obviously, you've worked with a lot of people uh, and different bishops. What's that? Sort of Don't ask for your favourite bishop. That's not. That's go. not why I asked. No. <laughs> <laughs> different, different. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really it's yeah it's just different, I guess. And I think it's all helped me learn to do things in different ways, and um, it's helped me professionally. It's helped me personally. I mean, and and I feel fantastically privileged at times actually because. When I started, I don't think it was ever intended my role would be in the senior staff team. Um, I was put on a, like a, a middle management grade. But from the moment I started, I had fantastic support in um, from Bishop Steam at the time, um, Bishop Peter Burrows, uh, in just recognising how important communications were and that it ought to have a seat at the table. So from the moment I started, I was invited to senior staff meetings, which... Um, which was an interesting experience um, and a very steep learning curve because I thought coming from a Methodist background, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have a handle on what's what, but then fell fully into C of E senior staff team mode and thought, wow, I don't know anything. I've got loads to learn here. So that was that was really good. Uh, yeah, I've had fantastic support from Bishop Stephen Croft and then that has continued without with, um, say, Bishop Peter Burroughs, who I'm really close friends with and... Um, and Bishop Pete and uh, Bishop Sophie. So it's uh, been, yeah, a really privileged position. And being able to ask daft questions of people who are, you know, really, really intelligent on theology is, again, just a really privileged position to be able to do that behind closed doors and not fear that you're going to make a fool of yourself or at least know that you're in company where it's okay to do so. And coming into that role when you started, was it something you thought, oh, I could see myself being here for the next 10 years, or is it just something that's evolved gradually? Hmm, good question. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I never saw myself in the role I am now, in a way. So I never saw my role evolving. So when I started, uh, yeah, back in 2013, the then diocesan secretary was Malcolm Fair. Um, and I remember on one of my first, it might have not been my first day, but certainly first week, I remember standing in his office. I remember uh, Bishop Peter Bowes had come in and I'd met him for the first time um, and I would never have thought stood there then that, you know, you're going to be acting up as a Dowson secretary at one bit um, and um, and even deputising um, more formally. So, no, I would never have thought that. Um, but at no point have I ever thought I'd want to leave either. There's so much variety, challenge, um, so much still to do, so much that I love about it that I can see why I yeah, spent a decade here. Definitely. It's something we asked on the last podcast with uh, Alex Shilkoff about, can you remember the moment you sort of saw the job advertised and what kind of attracted you to it? Oh, yeah, really, really clearly. Um, and I hope, it sounds really silly, but I hope I remember, I remember that moment forever, actually, which sounds really odd. 
So I was working for Environmental Regeneration Charity, uh, Groundwork. It, its full title was Groundwork Cresswell, Ashfield and Mansfield, so a bit of a mouthful. I realised that when I read the bio that I missed it. Yeah, out, so well, that's... This is the longest title It, it, it is. It used to be called Groundwork Cresswell until it merged with Groundwork Ashfield and Mansfield and then um, it just became the whole lot. So I was doing marketing and central services management there and I'd been there five years Um I loved it because it was based near where I lived. It was in my community working on um, great projects that you could see the benefit of. Um, but I knew it was time to move on. Um, and in marketing, it's difficult. I thought, what do I really want to do next? Uh, I could never see myself working like, I don't know, trying to flog big biros for Bic or something like that. Just not that that isn't important, but to me, it just didn't quite call to me, especially after working, you know, in a community setting for a an environmental regeneration cause. So when I saw this um, this advert, uh, it was in the I think it was in the Workshop Guardian. I was sat outside Workshop Guardian. I was sat outside Prospect Cottages uh, Post Office. I think it's called in Workshop. Um, and I saw it and I thought that as that's the job for me. Um, so that was it really. So yeah, I remember it really clear. What stage interview process was it? Were there several interviews? No. Do just one stage, a panel interview, um, one stage, and that that was it. Yeah, yeah. And did you have a feeling? It's one of those after you've been interviewed, you go through all the motions, don't you? Think you know, did I mess something up? Did I do it well? What were your your initial thoughts? I can't remember that. All I can remember is getting here very early. Um, the flyover was still here next to Church House in Rotherham. So they were just taking it down at that time, so I can remember the flyover. I can remember parking up in the Leisure Centre car park and who I now know as Bishop Stephen Croft, must have gone out for his lunch in between interviews and I could and I saw him walk past. I knew he obviously was a bishop because I'd done my research and I'd, he was in his uh, purple pink shirt um, and he must have popped out for lunch. That's the only bit I can actually really remember. I can't remember how I felt afterwards. I can't. Yeah, no, that's really good. <laughs> We're all from a non-conformist background, so we're all safe in this room. We all, we all looked <laughs> askance at the Church of England from the outside and now we're all sat in the Church of England thinking... Oh, right, okay. that's what they mean by that. Yeah, yeah you can understand it easier from the inside, yeah, can't you? It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. On your bio, you said it said, "I've been a Christian all my life." So, what was that like? Was that we've had people in here who've had sort of almost Damascus Road experiences to people that have been around a long time. You know, dad's a vicar. So, so what sort of upbringing was that? You went to the local church as a child. Yeah, so this is where I, th I feel like I'm going to be boring compared to some of your previous listeners, but um, equally it is what it is, isn't it? So I was, um, yeah, born, so my mum and my mum's side of the family were Christians, um, members of Clown Methodist Church. Um, so I was uh, christened into Clown Methodist Church and have been uh, a member and attended there all my life, really. Um, my dad, um, I don't think he would describe himself as a Christian, but he always attended events, um, you know, pie and pea suppers, concerts, Christmas events, bazaars, anniversaries. Um, so really, growing up, my whole childhood was based around the church. It was my friendship group, um, certainly through junior school. Um, I, um, my close friendship group went there. I had Christian friends and non-Christian friends, but very often I'd invite people along to the junior club or the youth club. When I got a bit older, I attended Sunday school. Um, I did uh, scripture exams. I don't know. Ben, did you do scripture exams? No, well, if I did school on Sunday school. No, in Sunday school. No. Well, I scripture union. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did those every year. Yeah, so we did those every year. Very young discipleship. 
Um, we were um, so in Hereford. Um, we were the uh, one of the last places to do the classic scripture union, where all of the schools came and the Sunday schools came and did the tests on a Saturday afternoon and went through all that lot. Then we had a prize giving ceremony and stuff like that. A big friend of mine, Anthony Weston, who's unfortunately no longer with us, uh, ran Scripture Union in Hereford for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, we um, we used to run it every, every year, and you'd go up in age um, and do that every year. Um, I think when I got into my early teens, we did one called Kaleidoscope, which I think must have been the like the the, the next stage up after the younger ones. Um, so yeah, got, when I got into secondary school. Um, so I went to secondary school outside of my catchment area, so I should have gone to Heritage uh, Secondary School in Clown. Um, but for various reasons, I went to Netherthorpe Secondary School in Staveley. So I made new new friends there. Um, so I went with one of my um, best friends who was also um, a church member as well, but met some new friends there who turned out to be members of Brimington Methodist Church. So actually ended up in a circle through my teenage years as well, which looking back was probably a, a, a big reason why I continued being a Christian because that wouldn't have been easy years, I think, to have been a Christian if you didn't have close friends who were. But again, we attended each other's churches. It was in the same circuit. A circuits really became a thing. We attended a youth home group on Sunday evenings with a, a youth minister, Daryl, who's still around and posts excellent funny memes on Facebook. So I, th I think just looking back, it just made it easier. So I never found being a Christian particularly hard. I know that's completely different for some people, and that makes it me really sad. My church has only ever been a safe place for me. I mean, I'm sure we had teasing at times, but I remember being teased more for wearing three-quarter socks than I did for being a Christian, if I'm honest. <laughs> or patent shoes, that sort of thing. I'm sure we got, got called a few things, but generally it was really good. And my non-Christian friends in my teenage years, I invited to the youth club. So I used to do Sunday school on a Sunday and then, of course, youth club on a Friday, which I absolutely loved. Um, and they would come with me and they'd enjoy it too. I went on a few youth events in my later teenage years. So again, don't know if you'll know these names. So M-A-Y-C weekend. I think it must stand for, I was thinking about this on the drive-in, Methodist Association of Youth Clubs, Sounds possibly. Right. That. So that was really good. I think we went, I remember going to Battersea in London on a weekend trip with um, my friends at about 14. Easter People yeah. was a thing, did that a few times. So yeah, felt pretty well formed throughout my teenage years really and my, yeah, being younger. So yeah, so it's, like I say, it's not quite the story that others have. No, I think it's an important story, though, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people out there. Well, my wife's one of them that will, you know, will say it was just it was life for them. It was part of their lives. There wasn't this sort of moment or or a gradual moment. It was just part of who they are, and that really, I think, that really speaks to you then for your whole life, doesn't it? If they've got that depth of this is who I am. It's part of my DNA, and just I think that's it, Paul. And that actually, that's I think that absolutely says it for me. It is my DNA. It's the thing that sits in my centre. It's the thing that it's not. It's not an anchor. It's more of a keeps you on course, you know, with strong hands at the at the wheel that just guides you, that nudges you back when you're veering off, or violently drags you back when you've completely veered off. Or it's um, it is it's it's in the DNA. I think it sits there quite quietly in me. I don't know. I think I have got quite a quiet confidence, and I think I put it down to that. Yeah, it describes it really well. I think there's something to be said as well for having that welcoming, warm environment linked to your family as well you know i find that with mine i'm always drawn back to my home church from where i grew up because it was always just so supportive yeah definitely and do you know something i've found as i've traveled around the diocese so of course i've been in lots of church communities i've been to i've filmed um 
lots of services or interview people in different settings. And I've been in so many uh, where I've been on the fringes of that, thinking, wow, this is such a lovely community. I could, if I was in this community, I could be absolutely a part of it, but equally found, it, but it's not mine. That feels really strange. And I think it is that linking back because I've had such a strong anchor in that church and the people that are there and the lay leaders there and the history is. I just feel that anchor there. And that is something that I've found difficult traveling around the diocese, that you're almost always on the edges of it rather than it really speaking to me. But there's the Church of England's got that, you know, again, we mentioned this a lot, that we, we brought, wasn't brought up in the Church of England at all. And it's only in the last couple of years, so pre-pandemic, that I joined a Church of England church. But when I travel out to the parishes, I am struck by what a special place a Church of England church can have in a parish which has no other um, place of worship. There are places around here, particularly you've got Methodist, small Methodist church or Baptist churches, but when you go somewhere where the parish church is at the centre of that community with the spa and the pub, you, you realise what a special place the C of E can have and how important it is for us to to help those people to continue that that point where people can find and experience the love of God that they won't find anywhere else, obviously. It's the right to the heart of a community with a group of people that love their community. And and it's also quite sad when you go to little parish churches where they don't seem to love their community so much. They're holding on to what they want to do rather than looking out and thinking, actually, there's a community that needs us. So we're in a special place of either sort of really engaging with the community and being a hub or separating ourselves. And it's really important, I think, for the, ch- the, the diocese that we see that it's a hub. Yeah, and I think it is all about community, isn't it? And community doesn't all have to be about locality or geographical location at all. I think, it, it, you know, it can be more than that. It can be an online community, but just a community that you feel a belonging to, I think, is, is uh, yeah, and that's got links across the community groups, I think, is just really, really important. So when I, when I start my working life, I suppose after university, I'd dr- say if I, ever, if I ever have drifted away from the church, it would have been then, but only in the respect that I think I didn't attend regularly. And I started in my job that we've mentioned, groundwork. And after a couple of years there, I realised I'd been working alongside colleagues who we um, we had a few conversations almost accidentally and realised that there was about four or five of us that were Christians, all from different different places. So one was from Trent Vineyard, one was a, a Roman Catholic, one was a Methodist, one an Anglican. And we thought, oh, wow. And it was only then that it kind of pulled me back in. And, I th- and we, you know, it just makes me think very much of Lights for Christ now that if you know if you speak about your faith confidently in those places we might have discovered each other a bit a bit quicker but again just tying into and that became a little community and we attended each other's communities together so yeah i think i think that that is really important i i I feel a sense of community more now than ever and i just need to belong somewhere you can almost find those things out by accident can't you i know Mm. i had a marketing role years ago at derbyshire wildlife trust and again i found that two of my colleagues there were christians but again, almost by accident, because I was guilty of having that hesitancy of, you know, not broaching the subject in as confident a way as I would have liked. But once I did find that out, it opened up those sort of fresh conversations. And like you found, had a sort of a mini Christian community there, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people uh, could be out there now thinking that and uh, just take the step to say something and you might discover a fellow Christian sat, you know, over the other side of the room or, yeah. What did Hannah say in her podcast about quoting Peter of always giving a reason for the hope you have? I think it's always a really powerful line. Is. Yeah. yeah. So, university. Uh, where did you go to uni? I didn't. 
Uh, Lincoln, uh, University of Lincoln. Um, yeah, I did a, a tourism degree there. Um, I liked, uh, so I was, uh, in my A-levels, I was um, really good at geography. Well, I liked geography best. Liked the idea of travel, um, cared about the environment a lot. And so thought, well, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, probably a long story, but I actually had a gap year. Um, so I deferred my university place. Well, actually, I, I didn't apply to university until a year after I should have done. I went to America to just to work and travel with my friend. While I was there, we didn't have communications tools like we do now. I used to have to use the good old pay phone. Oh, I used to write home on paper with a pen, can you believe? Um, which uh, I've still got some of the letters of now. But I, uh, I applied for university to do tourism and environmental studies. Went off to America while I was there. I got a call from the tutor, which, as I say, was not an easy call to take with an eight-hour time gap as well, who said, I'm sorry, we don't have much of a call to do the t two together. I, I recommend you just do straight tourism degree um, because that'll involve a bit of everything. I didn't really have the means to sit down and look at what other options I'd got, so I just said, yeah, OK. Um, and that's that was that, really. It was a really good degree in the end. It did give me a wide range of stuff. So, yeah, went to university. and Did you always have a path ahead knowing what you wanted to do or was it a case of when you were studying sort of weighing up your options for the job market and thinking I might go down this route or this route no I didn't didn't have a clue um like most the hardest thing didn't have a clue I knew the things I liked but I didn't know how that matched up to a job so I did a tourism degree got yeah 2-1 uh, BA honours in that in 2002 um, I did a, f a few odd jobs after that until I landed a role at Grant Finder as a, an information researcher, which is uh, where I, you basically write and research reports on all grant funding opportunities in the UK. It's now been bought out by um, another company uh, and you write reports on that. I did, um, I did marketing for them. I did training on the IT and the database and my role grew through there really which is where I started to really enjoy uh, marketing and communications. So then I saw a job come up for groundwork, which was uh, marketing manager. So I moved to there and sort of the path went through that, really. So coming here as comms manager, you said that you've been encouraged by bishops here that comms is really important, which it obviously is. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> when, well, witness to the fact that you two work in it, but also we're sat here communicating, but comms is really important. But you've been here for 10 years. How has that, how has the level of communication coming out of the diocese changed? And what is the future, do you think, for the comms part? How has that evolved into where we are now, where we do put a lot of information out? And, and what do you see as the really important things going forward? Because the diocese does need to know what's happening a lot, does it? Yes. How, how has it changed? I mean, it's changed significantly in the, the digital sphere. I mean, 10 years ago, we were, we were still using, you know, Facebook and Twitter were, were still a thing. We were still grappling with that. And I think that in some ways that hasn't changed. It's evolved a bit, but that hasn't changed. Uh, but I, I think we're, we're, we're completely saturated now by more channels, aren't we? So we've now got, um, you know, thanks, thank you, thanks to the pandemic, we've got Zoom and Teams competing. So not only are we trying to do what would be traditionally transactional marketing, which is where you're just putting out a message. We're not really doing that, and that, I don't think that's always entirely helpful. It's a two-way listening process, and we're doing that a lot more, and I think that's that's been a big change, but a really important one. The, the big things going forward, I think there's one big thing going forward, um, and I'm not going to put him on the spot, but storytelling. Storytelling, I think, is um, so telling the stories of our parishes. We've got people out there doing incredible things, and I've met so many wonderful people doing these wonderful things over my 10 years here. And when it was just me, I only had so much capacity to be able to 
tell those stories. I mean, some of the listeners might not know, but in the comms team, we we don't just do that. We also cover the IT for the building and we um, we support our staff members in, you know, anything IT related, mobile phone contracts, etc. So when it was just me um, and, and Jason Smedley, um, we, we just only had so much capacity. Um, Ben's joined us now, um, quick nod to Ben, and his ability to tell stories is fantastic. And I think it's really shown over the last year. That's something that our capacity has just upped in hugely. Um, and telling the wonderful stories of people out there doing just what they do, um, often without thanks or just because that's their way that they're serving um, and the difference they're making to one person's life, to many people's lives by doing that. Um, and to be able to just show examples of different ways of doing things that people can try of of success and failure and saying it's all okay, let's just all share in these stories together. Um, I think that's, yeah, we've come on hugely there and I think it's really important for the future. No pressure, Ben. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Um, but it's been, that's been one of the things that's almost been, I don't say easy in a way, but straightforward because people have facilitated that. So we've got a really good relationship now with parishes and churches and individuals, because it's not just us chasing them for those good news stories. They're coming to us and saying, this is happening. And they're not all the same. They've all got their own unique slant. And even when it's been a, what I'd say a negative, like we're talking about social action recently and the, the increase in demand for food banks, which is obviously a bad thing, but the fact that needs being met. Um, by people coming together and just inspired by you know the gospel and helping as many people as possible so it's been a privilege as a comms team to just amplify and tell those stories because I think they're well known within their pockets of the diocese but perhaps the wider diocese might not necessarily be aware so I think that's the the key motivation to make sure that as many people are aware of that as possible and help to support it in their own way. Yeah, and I think we, 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 I think we feel the same, don't we? We're here to serve and we feel it's a privilege to be able to meet these people and tell these stories. Um, and if that's just a small part we can play in, in their story, then um, I think that's really important. One thing I've noticed in terms of almost a self-sufficient marketing from churches is because of obviously social media, they can promote those stories themselves. Is that something that was happening when you started or has that sort of changed over time? Yes, I think I think it is. I think you've got um, you've always got some parishes that might have just got a good relationship with a journalist. I think it it's a bit sporadic. I mean, I think it's a sometimes a, a, I'm sure many parishes feel it's a, a lot um, to think of for them to be able to promote something themselves. But it's definitely um, got got more so. I think again, as people have got to grips with, you know, I can remember doing training sessions back in the day. Like it sounds a bit cheesy now, but still really important. Facebook for the frightened and Twitter for the timid. I think we've moved um, through those stages a little bit now, so people have got a bit of a platform to be able to promote some um, stories from. And, and Ben, you may know more, but journalists in in local um, news outlets, I think, do look to social media now to get their stories and leads from, um, which I think has helped people to be able to tell their own stories in that way. Hundred percent. I mean, they're still going to websites, but yeah, they definitely mm. will have Tweet Deck up or whatever or X Deck, yeah. is it called that? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. It's changed. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely a, a big resource. Yeah. Um, one thing to mention, another potential suck up moment here, but in terms of the comms and learning team, here we go. Very good <laughs> at activities outside of work. And it's worth noting LJ's bowling skills. And if you remember when we went to Sheffield, that was, it was lucky. I told my mum's a good temping bowler. When I drove home that night, I phoned up and I said, Mum, guess what my bowling score is? And she, she's not stopped laughing, actually. I remember. <laughs> well, she's not laughing because it was a rubbish. No, it was really good, oh, but really just, good. Uh, I think I won, didn't I? Um, did, yeah. We, yeah, I normally need bumpers, so. 
<laughs> you seem quite defiant, actually. When you, you got the winning score, you were like, yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah, well, it is, but, you know. Yeah, let's put that face on. <laughs> Game faces on. Game face. Didn't win at air hockey, though, did No, you? I didn't, did I? So that moves us seamlessly, seamlessly into outside activities. So, that's, so I think sport pays or has paid quite a big part of uh, stuff for you. So um, there was a mention of tries. Um, is that still going on? Are you still trying to try? Yeah, girl, you... girl that tries. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, sport is, uh, I love sport. I love the majority of sports, watching and playing. Um, I do still do that. So actually, I've not done a triathlon since 2021. Yeah, for my, for my 40th birthday, I did a, an extra special triathlon. Um, but for various reasons, I've not done anything for a year and a bit, um, basically because I've been building a house, which sounds sounds quite dramatic. I don't think it feels quite that dramatic, but just time and work pressures, of course, as well. It's been absolutely um, an incredible year, really, to act as diocesan secretary while um, Katie's been on maternity leave. So I gave myself a year off, but I am feeling the pull of it desperately. Um, so, yeah, I, I just so I swam when I was younger, Freckington Swimming Club. Um, Always liked mountain biking and cycling. Started running in my mid-twenties. I like various other sports as well, but it does seem inevitable that I land on one where you combine a few together. Pretty sure I should become a heptathlete or something like that. Or maybe I'll just create my own crazy long-distance multi-event that includes all my favourite sports. I don't... Yeah, I did some tries in my 50s, but I came at it from swimming, so I'm a swimmer, still a swimmer. Yeah. And um, cycling's okay, running horrific. Yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting that Paul, isn't it, that people come in because you often find a triathlete has does one initially. Most of the people that I trained with and came into it were from running. Yeah, and then came into it could take up cycling and were woeful swimmers. And yeah, had to learn how to swim almost. Yeah. and whereas I could I could boss the swim, did the swim fine. Cycling, yeah. I was okay, a bit too big, but okay. Yeah, really dreadful. <laughs> You're a bit of a thrill seeker as well. I remember what was the zip line in Wales you went down last year? Oh, uh, the one at is it Penryn Penryn Quarry? Yeah. Yes, Alex and I went. I don't know if she spoke about that last uh, last time you spoke to her. Yes, I've done it twice actually. Yeah, it's it's quite good. It's a, what is it? World's fastest, highest zip line. All of those. Yeah, you get strapped in head first, some goggles on. That's about all you get. And uh, in fact, uh, when when we Alex and I did it, I'd already done it the year before. And I said, you know, when you set off, we'll wear a camera so we can get a video um, a video camera of it and you've got to shout something as you go down. Um, so as I set off, I did actually shout. Um, I shouted, renewed, released, rejuvenated. On brand. On Thomas brand. On, on brand. brand. And it is, you can hear the audio on the video, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Bishop P and Bishop Sophie saw that. Sort of I don't know if they did, actually. I don't know if they did, but yeah. <laughs> so sports-wise... Um, we, ben and I have to be very careful that we don't drift off into a, a sports podcast too often and, and, and we keep the football chat to a minimum, but we know there's a football interest and sports interest in general. So football teams? Yeah, so football team, uh, Liverpool Football Club, the best team in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, okay. We do have to offer you a right of reply here as well because there's been fighting talk, hasn't there, from Father Grant Naylor, who's been on the podcast. He's yes. there, so- uh, everyone in the- I've heard about this. I haven't managed to listen to his uh, podcast yet, but I have heard about this. He yes. says everyone in Liverpool sports Everton, and he would refuse to wear a Liverpool shirt yep. uh, during a service when yep. I have a challenge to him. So I think this is your <laughs> right of reply. Well, I mean, there's not much to say really, is there? I-, I can understand as an Everton fan, you've not got much to talk about your own team yet. It's looking a bit tricky. Uh, you-, you-, you know, you've got to be able to throw things at your rivals, although I'd say for Everton, it's probably more trammier. 
In terms of Liverpool, I mean, all, all I'll say there is, you know, I'll update Bill Shankly's famous saying, there's two teams worth watching in Liverpool, Liverpool men's and Liverpool ladies. There you go. Grant's going to want to come back on now. It'd be like a <laughs> slanging match. The whole team of football, um, Christian football podcast. Yeah, I thought they. I thought I watched Sunday, Sunday afternoon's game. Fantastic, fantastic game. But we'll not go there because uh, I think a lot of Bishop Pete and of course his his result didn't go his way. So my son, I've got a son who's a Liverpool fan and a son who's a Newcastle. Oh, so that's an interesting. Yeah. This was a great bit of the second interview stage because I remember I was chatting nerdy stuff with Jason. And then it flicked to football, which Jason's not into. So then it kind of like, it's like a pendulum that was swinging almost. Yeah, Ben Ben can be a nerd both ways. It can be a nerd with uh, Jason and a nerd with football with me, which is lovely. It creates a balanced office. But yeah, I've, I loved football um, my, my whole life. Um, I started supporting Liverpool about the age of nine or ten. And I think it was a coming together of various things. One of which did involve a random shirt coming from the church jumble sale. And that's it. I mean, once something, again, just on a more serious note, when you think about community... You know, when you've uh, a football club, when you support it, is a community, and uh, it just you just become part of that, of the culture and the and the life of that. And I mean, I've been there for thirty years now, so there'll be there'll be no changing. And the, actually, the significance, you know, Liverpool are very famously connected with the "You'll Never Walk Alone" slogan and um, saying in the song, and that does hold quite a personal significance to me because my dear granddad on my my mum's side died in about nineteen ninety. Um, and he was a mad football fan, um, toyed with a professional career, I think. But then he he told me, I remember very clearly, even though I was so young, him saying, oh, I, I gave it up because I got married to your grandma. And he actually had You'll Never Walk Alone and two footballs on the bottom of his gravestone, which my grandma, my mum and uncle picked to have there. Um, and my grandma is now now buried there with him. So it has got quite a personal significance on that level as well. And you said before as well, your grandma was a big part of um, your church as well. Yes, yeah, my dear grandma um, died two years ago at the age of um, 94. Um, she was a member of Clan Methodist Church for pretty much all of her life. So, yeah, big, uh, had a, played a big part in my faith, definitely, and will continue to do so. So, last few questions that we throw out there, and uh, I always ask the book questions. So, um, do you read much, and have you got something on the bedside table that you're reading at the moment? I have. I do I do read, although I'm a bit sporadic. I used to read a lot, but I find I get quite tired now. Um, so I tend to read more on holiday for fun and then serious stuff more when I'm not on holiday. So when I went away early in the year, I was reading the Thursday Murder Club um, uh, series. Uh, absolutely love them, the Richard Osmonds. Yes. Good, great fun. The other book I've been reading on and off that I've had ongoing for a while now, and I don't take on holiday because it's a big hardback, but it's a Will, it's Will Smith's autobiography. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I got it for a Christmas present. Uh, I'm about halfway through. It's got it's got all sorts in there. I mean, I'm a Will Smith fan anyway, um, but just stories of race, faith, family. Um, just feels a really honest, humble, open book. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I can recommend it. Yeah, I was watching a Michael Parkinson catch-up the other day because obviously he passed away recently and um, one of the interviews that they showed quite a bit of was the Will Smith interview for Parkinson. Was it? Really yeah. good, yeah. yeah. He came over very, very well. And yeah. Talked about meeting Muhammad Ali and stuff like that and, um, yeah, came over pretty well, I think. They don't always yeah. do that, Hollywood stars, but no. he did come over very well. Yeah. yeah. I know you're a big music fan. What's the best gig you've ever been to? Oh, that's a difficult one. Wasn't expecting that. Best gig I've ever been to. Can I pick? Can I? Do you know that I might have to go then with this year? I, I've done a few this year. We went to in May. Went to Neighbourhood Weekender. The headliner on night one was Paul Heaton. Uh, absolutely enormous, massive fan of Paul Heaton. We saw again at Tramlines, 
and on the second night was Pulp. So a bit of a dream cast for me. The the Pulp gig uh, was absolutely epic. Um, saw them again at Sheffield Arena and they were just as good, if not better in some ways, but that outdoor gig, it was in Warrington, Neighbourhood Weekender. They were just incredible, brilliant, loved it. So probably, probably would pick Pulp. And what are you listening to at the moment? So those are a particular era. We, uh, yes. Yeah. So what um, are you listening to much at the moment? Yeah, what am I listening to? it? So um, Alex Shilkoff has got me into self-esteem, so quite enjoying yeah, self-esteem, um, really enjoying that. And she was at Neighbourhood Weekender as well. Um, listened to, so yesterday I put, um, so The Killers headlined Reading and Leeds this weekend, so I watched their, so I love The Killers, did see Killers last year as well, very lucky to see them, love The Killers, so I watched them yesterday. Um, I, do you know, I tend to put on Spotify just UK top hits, and I think that's the way I try and, you know, just try and listen to a bit more modern music. I'll put that on and just listen to that when I'm running or in the gym or in the car and just listen to it. But yeah, self-esteem, big tip, I think, from Alex for them. Yeah, she's great. If there was one band who you've not seen who you could go to see, who would it be? I almost saw Michael Jackson when he did his tour, but of course that never happened. That would have been fantastic. Elvis, I'm a big Elvis fan as well. It's not a band, but probably Elvis. Yeah, we did this question in our family recently was what your regret. My biggest regret was not seeing Bowie because uh, yeah. I had a chance to go see him on the Scary Monsters tour. And because I'm a bit of a snob, I said, this 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 album isn't quality Bowie, so I'm not going. And then never got a chance to see him after that. So that's my biggest regret, not taking the chance to see Bowie, even on Not A Great Album. My advice out there is if you've got somebody, go and see them. Even if it's not, I went to see Robert Plant before the pandemic at Sheffield City Hall. And I obviously I'd never seen Zeppelin and I saw Plant and he was absolutely outstanding. And it was one of my high points. And I, again, I thought, oh, well, I go and see him. It's brilliant. So go and see your heroes. Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. Don't, yeah, I agree. Do it. Fantastic. I think we're just about wrapping up now, aren't we? Um, I think we are, yes. LJ, it's been great to talk to you. Thank Best you. Best boss anyone could have. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. You've achieved that appraisal objective. Yeah, really, really great. Thanks for, for telling us your, your story and stuff. And uh, thanks for all the great work you do in the diocese. It is really appreciated. And um, Thank you. you've made, I know when I started, you made me feel very welcome and spoke to me on the stairs as soon as I arrived and stuff. So that's been really appreciated. Thanks for that. And you think very well, especially with that dual role while Katie was on yes. as well. I think obviously a very busy time, but you dealt with that fantastically and still really supportive to me and all my colleagues. So I'm really grateful for Thank that. Thank you. That's really kind to hear that. And it's it's really good to be honest. It's really odd being this side of the mic in a way. Um, very often for the majority of my time here, I've been, you know, sat there doing the asking interviewing. So it's it's uh, it's quite nice to have a, a role flip. Yeah. So just before you, we though. finish it, we, um, we have mentioned it before. We've got a Words of Grace email address, wordsofgrace at sheffield.anglican.org. And uh, if... Um, friends of the podcast want to get in contact or suggest somebody to come on or just to make some comments both um good and bad we're very open to that we won't reply to the bad ones but we will reply to the good ones um but uh, yeah it'd be great to hear from you and um thanks very much and we've got some good guests coming up as well which is going to be really exciting guests that come yeah including the double bishop special which will be race and bishops well. we're going to call yeah. that day aren't we uh, we've also got dan christian director of uh, vocations here our ddo mm. Uh, Amy Hole coming up as well. Uh, Debbie Coyne, who was at our uh, Open Day for Clergy last year and has since joined uh, the Rivers team as well. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to that Christmas special coming up that we're planning as well. Oh, it's a massive Christmas special. Music, food, impressions. You've got a fantastic lineup, haven't you? You have, yeah. Great. So, really looking forward to it. See you again. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>